0: It's coffin season, and all the girls. Oh,
1: I said girls, girls. All the girls need, need a need a big boy. Wanna big boy? I need a big boy. Big boy. One, two, three, four. <laughs>
0: Hey there. On today's episode, we do share content surrounding topics of body image and eating disorders. Wanted to give you a quick warning before we continue. Thanks.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Not From Here. This week, we are joined by a very special guest and one of my childhood best friends, who also happens to be Miss Michigan 2022, Aria Hutchinson. Hi. Hi, guys. Hey. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Of course, we are honored <laughs> to be in your presence. I'm so, honored to be in yours. Thank you. Okay. First ever special guest. Yeah, you're on our the first podcast. guest. Episode exactly. five. The
2: honor is all mine. <laughs> Let's start with the
0: basics. Like, where are you from? Mm-hmm. What do you do
2: for fun? <laughs> and, yeah, like. Right there. Okay. What are you up to? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm from Michigan. Me and Riley grew up together, sort of, high school. I'll I'll call that growing up together. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We did a lot of growing up. (laughs) Kind of. Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I am from the Detroit area. live in Plymouth. And I have way too many hobbies things I do for fun than I know what to do with. Um, But I'd say my big two things, two big things, big two things are (laughs) (laughs) um, I love yoga. I'm a yoga instructor and a practitioner myself and Taekwondo, which I got into because me and Riley's uh, another good friend, Ashley, who I have a nonprofit with as well. Lots of entwined. We'll get into into that. Um, she actually got me into Taekwondo. I've always wanted to do it. Um, going into 2021, I believe my whole like new year's resolution was that I was going to do everything I always said I was going to do, but I never did. So one of those things was Taekwondo because I've always wanted to become a black belt just because like, that sounds awesome to say you're a black
1: belt, but also
2: it's good to know self-defense, but, um, also just sounds cool too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? That is
0: so cool. Yeah. That is such a cool, like, mix of hobbies to have. It's like you are so – it feels like you're probably so in touch with yourself. <laughs> like, damn, I don't know. Like, it just sounds like you're probably spiritually really aligned.
2: Some days <laughs> it feels like that. Other days, it's, yeah. I, I wonder what happened because I should be, but I'm not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just. It just depends on the day. It ebbs and flows. Um, okay.
0: Like – Um, where did you like, or what did you do growing up? Like, what did you, did you do dance or theater or like, what were your activities and how do you feel like they've gotten you to where you are now? Yeah.
2: So I was a competitive dancer. Well, actually we'll start off. I did every, I tried everything growing up at least once. I tried Taekwondo when I was like nine and I quit (laughs) when I was a white belt because it was too hard. <laughs> that's like the beginning, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's like, That's like you don't even test for that belt. This is given to you when you walk in. And I Entry level, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because you have to like test for forms. They're called forms. So you have to like do specific movements. It's almost like a little dance, but like taekwondo moves. And – yeah, I I couldn't do that. I like cashed out right before that <laughs> happened. I was very confused, which is um, so funny because
1: like you're a dancer, so I know. like you learn you learn like routines like no problem. But those moves, you were like absolutely not. This <laughs> is where right, I draw the line. Not
2: at all. <laughs> no. um, I also did ice skating for a couple months.
1: <laughs> I cool. did
2: piano, singing lessons, dance, gymnastics. I played one soccer game in my whole life. I don't know <laughs> how. I wasn't even on the team. They just let me play in one game. But I was a badass in that one game, okay? I was really good. <laughs> and you're like, I'm never going back. That's where no, I retire. I might micro- <laughs> drop soccer basically. <laughs> it wasn't even on the team. Like, you just showed I up. I really wasn't. My best friend in, like, third grade, her mom was the coach. And I had a sleepover with my friend. And they forgot that they had a game that day. So they were like, oh, you want to come? And then in the carpet, I remember my friend was teaching me what offense and defense meant because I didn't even know what that was. So they were like teaching me the logistics of sports because I'd never but be- never done sports growing up. I did all like the girly things. And then they threw me out on the field. And <gasps> apparently I was pretty good. Put me in coach. Put me
0: in coach. <laughs> natural. Foreign natural.
2: And, yeah, and then I was done. Um, so that was my track record with Everything. Basically, I'd try it okay. and then I'd get bored of it and then I'd stop. Um, except dance. Dance actually stuck and I loved it, especially competitive dance. My sister, my brother, and me all did it together. And me and my brother were like the same height growing up. We were like, everyone thought we were twins. We like looked the same, we were the same height and we did competitive dance together and it was so much fun. We were, us three were like at our dance studio all the time. That is so cool. I'm yeah, like, obsessed. Your family.
0: Like you guys were just like, we're all doing it. Like all of our kids <laughs> are gonna be well rounded. Oh, yeah.
2: And that's it. Okay. Oh, it was it was more my mom, honestly. She was like, I'm not putting my boy in sports. Like, ew. My mom didn't even <laughs> my mom didn't even know football, any sport. She didn't care. She wanted glitter, yeah. and costumes, and makeup.
1: So that's what yeah. Amy got thrown into as well. Guys. Side note, Aria's brother is an NFL like player. Like, I know. That's why this is so like silly that like <laughs> they were like sports? What? Yeah. My
0: my boyfriend is a really big fan. So <laughs> just like in his honor, I do have to just ask. Like, obviously, just like side taking a little side quest here. But yeah. what is it like like? I don't know, like summarize a little bit. Like, just like being, I don't know, like constantly like associated with another person? Like, I know that's kind of like a heavy question, but like, what is your experience with that? I bet it can be like really like great, sometimes like really crazy, but I don't know. Like, I bet it's just a lot all of the time.
2: Well, to just start that one off, Aiden actually got into, so I'm older than Aiden for anyone who doesn't know that he got into college before me which is like honestly insane. So Aiden was going on his official visit with Michigan as like, I think he was a junior and I hadn't even submitted my application. I was a senior. I didn't even submit to school yet. And he was already signing his form that he was going like committing to Michigan. Um, so that was great. I was like, okay, you know what? Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I know. But I was kind of worried at first going into Michigan cuz I was like, god, I'm going to be like known as Aiden Hutchinson's sister. Like no one's going to even know my name. It's just going to be Aiden Hutchinson's sister. Um, but thankfully in college we did hang out a lot, but being in a sports world is a lot different than just like normal academic life and I didn't do sports in college, so I kind of had the whole like academic sphere and all the organizations and volunteering and stuff and then he was just Full football sphere and he didn't start getting big until I was already gone so he was a good player when I was a sophomore and junior but he didn't like actually pop off until his senior year and that's when I was gone so I feel <laughs> like if, it, if I was in school with him at that time it would have been a lot different but we kind of like had a low-key college experience
1: yeah, that's so like, nice.
2: Well, I did at least. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <it.
1: laughs> yeah, that's like a perfect segue because the next like question I was going to ask about was college and like how that was and what you majored in, what you – yeah, what you did. Yeah, yeah, tell us all about your experience. So college, that was a lot of twists <laughs> and turns there.
2: <laughs> so my freshman year of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I remember taking an international studies class, and I thought it was awesome. So, like working with the u n and like humanitarian things and policy, I thought that was awesome, and that's what I was gonna do, and I was training my whole freshman year for the da- the Michigan dance team. so I hadn't com- done competitive dance in many years. I stopped like my f- sophomore year in high school. I did theater with Riley, which we'll get to. yeah. Um- I
1: did. <laughs> And then <laughs> we were literally drama club, like president and vice president. Oh, like we took
2: over. We took <laughs> over. <laughs> I it was so uncertified to do any of that. Like Riley was. Riley like did theater her whole life. Mm-hmm. I like walked in there and was like, no, no like, today that I'm going to be in theater. And then I just did. And I like pretended like that was my, my brand. And it wasn't. <laughs> she did it she committed though all the way through high school okay so she was
0: lead she walked right in yeah she was like well versed I can do anything and
2: everything give me (laughs) okay okay I will I will preface I did take acting lessons when I was like 12 oh Oh, she has experience (laughs) I like I wasn't fully out of that loop I thought acting was cool but like so okay okay I was good in the plays. I'll say I was good at acting. Well, I don't know. Don't quote me on you that. Were, you yes, were. yes. She I'm going to cringe good. if I ever watch those back. Like I, I never want to see any high school performance she ever. So my dance studio growing up, we did very theatrical productions. Like it wasn't just like we went and did like a lyrical dance on stage and did turns. Like my coach was like, we're going to do all the makeup. Like so, if we do a zombie dance, we're all going to have green faces contacts in like the whole costume like yeah. he did like it was if you go and see a a play or a musical and that dance number on stage like that's what we did in competitive dance growing up so oh. translating that to then acting or like doing a musical was a lot easier because I I'd acted through dancing like my whole life so yeah. that yeah. makes more sense but I wasn't privy <laughs> To singing, we'll say that. So, musicals. When I got
1: leads, probably based. She was on- so stressed Wait, every so time loud. there was an audition for a musical. She would get so stressed because, like, no I can hold a tune. You always pulled through. I did
2: pull through. Like, I'm not tone deaf. I'm I'm one of those people who I can hold a tune, yeah. but my voice does not. It's not one of those that like is a solo voice. I don't sound that nice, like alone, <laughs> but I can very nicely meld into a, a group setting. There we go. <laughs> so they freaking Elisa Noesk would give me leads and I would have to go up there and sing these high notes that I couldn't, I had no business singing.
1: Oh my God. No, you killed it though. She was Zytel in- That one. Ro- that one, my note <laughs> I had to hit from Ziedl, I, I I remember, remember it so it. clearly.
2: I never hit it. It was Absolutely. like the be glad you got a match. <laughs> like it's a high know. I like belted as hard as I could and I don't even want to ever know what that sounds
1: like. <laughs> and then we did Phantom and she was Madam Jerry. Like Hi. period. And then Hello oh, Dolly. So you're, you're, you were mini mini fey? Mini no. fey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello Dolly. Like she she held her own play and then, you know all the plays she was getting yes. every every single lead. i love a good play moment <laughs> they're, they're, they're <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> hidden gems
2: of the theater the
1: Foundation. um
2: season you know i don't know though I- like it's fun being in the plays but if i actually had to watch someone else in a play i would be so bored <laughs> like come on if we're all being serious like musicals are so much more entertaining than plays
1: yeah. 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 I mean, it's just because I think the musical has like the whole spectacle. Yeah. And like there's usually well, obviously there's like choreography and yeah. there's like, so, like things going on. Yeah. So it's just like so much more like entertaining and appealing to like mm-hmm. watch.
2: But yeah. It's it's funny. Aiden, every time he would come to either Mia or my plays or musicals, he would sit in the audience every time we came out on stage and he would be like, he couldn't even watch. He was like, he he'd have to like close his eyes. <laughs> He was like so nervous for us being like perform. Like, what if we forget a line? What if we like crack a note? Like, oh, he literally said god. he was stressed the entire time. Like, how do you think we feel when we're watching? Yeah, we're like- <laughs> yeah. you're like I'm stressed. No, no, no. I, like yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, that is my oh, god. My god. So we went funny. on so many tangents, I you guys. So Where bad. did we start? Wait, what were we? Ta- we were talking about college. Yeah, College.
1: About, uh, yeah. What did you major in? What did you money. major? What in. did you
2: major in? Yeah. So going back to that tangent. Um. So I know you guys are waiting like on the edge of your seats for what my major yes. is. I, I know. I know you. Yes. Are. yes. <laughs> so international studies is what it was. And I was training. So after I took that break from dance to do theater, and then in college, my freshman year, I think I was just like bored. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have a team. I didn't have a group. So I was like, maybe I'll just like get into dance again. I'm like the only person who probably would ever do that. Like I have not danced in like four years and I want to now join like a collegiate level dance team. Okay. Area, like,
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're trying
2: to do here, but anyway, so like my third day of college, I called my o- old coach cause tryouts were in the spring. So I called my old coach and I was like, "You, let's train, like, let's do this. So I didn't even have a freshman year of college. The entire time I'd go to class, drive right back home to my old dance studio, train all night with my coach. And then I would drive back to Ann Arbor. So I was like Ann Arbor to Canton. Like every- I remember
1: that. I remember that so vividly, like that time of your life.
2: Too. Oh, it was, it was like
1: crazy. That's all I-
2: I'd like stop home really quick, take an Epsom salt bath because I was so sore. And then I'd go back up to school, study, and then go to class the next day and do it all over again. So I did that until the spring And then I tried out for the dance team and literally I was the last person they cut. It was a three-day audition process. One of the hardest auditions I've ever done. It was like morning till night every single day. And like, you're going the whole day. Like it's like dancing for eight hours. So every day they do cuts at the end of practice. So day one, they cut people. I made it through day one. Day two, you go all day, they cut people. Day three is like the last smallest group of girls they have. And I, I'm a very slow choreography learner. Like once I get it, I got it, but I'm slow and they want you to be, have it like they show you once and you have the whole thing go. That's not me. Like I, it takes me a little bit of time to actually like remember the moves and we, and hip hop is not my strength. And that was like our final audition piece was like this hip hop number that was very nuanced and they taught us like, They taught it to us so fast, and I just couldn't remember it. I like, and they put me front center, not even behind somebody, so where I could kind of follow along. Yeah. Well, I kind of just biffed. I biffed it. I I will say that. Um, It's okay. I know, but then, so yeah, then the end of the day, they didn't, still didn't cut me. (laughs) I know, like literally, they cut people like the last day, and they're like, okay, for the rest of you, like we have like a couple more people to cut, but we'll we'll like send you like an email or a call. So I'm like waiting on the edge of my seat for like a week and then, you know, I that get is so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> it was honestly like mentally draining, challenging everything about it, but it was a great year. Like dancing again at yeah. that level was and I was even better of a dancer than I was when I was a kid and a and like a teenager. Like I don't know, my adult body like understood how to dance, which is honestly why it's so sad cuz I would have done so good on that dance team, but whatever. Cause it led me to where I am now. Um, right. so yeah, I basically, that was right at the end of the school year and, uh, you know, a couple other things, freshman year is always messy. A couple other things with some boys that sent me running <laughs> home and hiding <laughs> at my house. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's for another day, but anyway, um, <laughs> I get home. I'm like, got ghosted by one guy and like hiding from another guy. And then I just got rejected okay. from the dance team. At this point, I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't even know what I want to do with my life. Like I had all these plans of like, oh, I'm going to be on the dance team. I'm going to have like a like a boyfriend, like maybe on the football team. I don't know. I thought it was all going to like be this nice little perfect box with a bow on it. Right. And then it like wasn't overnight. So yeah, I went home, kind of recouped. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And that was probably the one time in my life when I have actually experienced like depression, like I never knew what that felt like until that summer. Like I didn't want to do it. I couldn't even get off the couch. Like I, I remember I kept like every other day I'd tell my mom, like she'd be like, oh, you want to go to the zoo? Or like, you want to do something fun? It was summer. And I'd be like, I don't, what's the point to like literally anything? Like I couldn't get out of that mindset of like, we're all on a floating rock. Like why does it matter what we're doing? yeah, yeah. So it was a tough summer, and I, it I don't, when you're in that pit of depression, you never feel like you're actually going to get out. You're like, how can I ever feel normal again? Um, so I was, I, that was also the summer I binged Grey's Anatomy as one does. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching with my dad and we were sitting on the couch and I remember asking him, we were, usually people are like, oh, I see the, the white coats on TV and I want to be one of those. Mine was like the opposite. I was watching. I was like, dad, like this actually looks like shit who would ever want to do this? And he was like, well, you want to come to work with me? And like, see? And I was like, I'm, I'm literally doing nothing else. Sure. So that week I went and shadowed him at the ER and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> it was like a media. I was like, this is awesome. I'm doing this. So I was kind of late into the pre-med game. So then my sophomore year, I immediately started taking all the science prereqs when I was like a self-proclaimed not science person. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not doing science. I am not good at it. Like high school kind of like, like, so I never took like AP classes and like AP science classes in high school. I just right. thought it was too hard and I thought I couldn't do it. So yeah. I, that's why I never even thought about doing science in college until I I shadowed my dad in the ER. But yeah, I th- so I threw myself into those classes, did all that. And then I declared a neuroscience major my junior year. That is and, amazing. And that, that is that. So that was a whole long journey of not knowing what I was doing. Lots of bumps in the road that we didn't even go over, but ended up kind of hitting rock bottom. And then
1: in that space is where I kind of
2: found what I wanted to do with my
1: life. That's incredible, and I I truly do think that. I mean, I literally last week's episode was literally called "Everything Happens for a Reason," but. <laughs> It, I really do believe that. And like, I think it all led you obviously to this path that you're on, that, on now. And you're going to medical school, which is, yeah. I like, I want to hear all about that too. And that was its own journey. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> I swear to God, like, right when you think you're over the hump, God is like, just kidding. There's actually an even lower. Like low for you to <laughs> hit, <laughs> and then you can go even higher. Like it's it's like never ending. And I know there's going to be even more. Oh, I already know I'm going to get into medical school, and I'm going to be like, oh god, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> You're like I thought that was bad. I don't. <laughs> Just I kidding. Know. But for now, we're just we're riding the the high wave, and it's nice. But no, so yeah. After I graduated my senior year, I had all my ducks in a row. Whatever. It's time to take the MCAT and apply to medical school. And me being the person I am decided it was a good idea to get two new jobs that I've never done. So training all the things, study for the MCAT, take one more summer class and apply to med school all in the span of four months. I decided to do all that. I don't know why I look back and I'm like, you should have just waited one, like another year, another cycle, giving yourself more time. So those four months were like some of the most arduous months of my life. Like awesome at some points, but also just like my head was not screwed on right. <laughs> like there was <laughs> much to keep track of um, at all at all points. And there was a point when I literally so to put it into perspective, the the MCAT's like a seven and a half hour exam um of things you learned all throughout college. It's basically like all the pre-med classes you ever took Let's take the hardest parts of those classes and put them all in one exam. And you have to remember all of it and then have the stamina to do the seven hour exam.
1: Absolutely not.
2: (laughs) So I and so when I was studying, I studied like all day, every day, unless I was working or doing my other or writing essays for medical school application. Um, And I took about eight practice tests. I remember that 4th of July, I didn't even do anything. My whole family went to Texas to be with our family. And I stayed home and took an eight-hour practice exam. Um, and I took oh, one of those every... And how was that? Days. <laughs> couple days? No, I yeah, I took a, a practice exam every couple days. So I'd In- study, think I got it, and then I'd take it and then my score would be like shit and I'd be like, like, literally... Oh, my it, God. Was, it was the most demoralizing process of my life, like... I did not think I was smart enough to go to medical school after doing all that. I was like, I'm not smart enough. I, you have to write like six essays for each school and they're all different. So, and you have to apply to at least 15 to 20 schools. So you're writing that many essays for each school while you're like studying if you do it my way, which you should never do that. Um, (laughs) That was just stupid. So there was a point when I like could not write another essay. I didn't know what to write about. I had no mental space left to write an essay and I told my mom, I had like a breakdown. I was like, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not applying anymore. I have to just stop. I can't do this anymore. And we had like that breakdown. And then that night, I just submitted the rest of my applications. It was like the breaking point that I had to get it all out and say, I'm not doing it anymore. And almost give myself that option. Like, you don't have yeah. to do it. You can do something yeah. else. And then in saying that to the universe, it gave me the space to then finish everything I needed to finish. It was like, I took the pressure off myself. Like, you don't have to do it. It's okay. And then I kind of kept that the whole time while I was waiting for my interviews because, you know, the whole time you're thinking, what if I, what if I don't get in? There's people every year who don't get into medical school. And that's like yeah, a lot of your life that you just sacrificed to even get to that point. Um, I was working with someone that um, fall that had applied to medical school three times that's three years. You have to wait a whole year to apply again. He had applied three times and he was like, yeah, I'm going to apply one more time. And if I don't make it again, then I'm just going to do something else. And in my head, I was like, I'm not <laughs> doing that. Like I, so I had to come to like, I'm not. There's not an again, like this is it. No, no. Well, I, I gave myself the, I was like, okay, you can apply one more time if you don't get in. But at the same time, you have to release yourself from expectations and be like, if God does not want me to go to medical school, I'm not going how hard I try, how hard I study. Like it doesn't matter whatever I'm supposed to do. My path is going to be pulled in that direction. And I'm going to get there by any means necessary. So I really came to this point in waiting for interviews and waiting to get accepted that I was like, it's okay if you don't get in. It doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It just means you're not supposed to go to medical school. Maybe you didn't, Maybe I'm just not a good test taker, and I and they didn't like my MCAS score. Fine, that doesn't like reduce your value in any way. And that was the the biggest thing I learned, and I think having that it was like a huge revelation because before that, even in my undergrad, at every turn I was like, I'm not smart enough. Like even on my prereqs, like the classes I was taking in college, I was like, if I can't even score on this, how am I supposed to? do well in medical school. Like at every turn, I was like, I'm just not smart enough to do this. And I was almost making that a creed in myself. Like you're not smart enough. And then I, after I had that breakdown applying, I kind of had to let, like it was do or die. It was like, you either let this go or you become like a neurotic mess for like the rest of your life. So I I had to let it go. I had to be like, you know what? Worst comes to worst. You, you rent a van and just become a hippie. Like that honestly sounds <laughs> fun to do. Like honestly I'm fine with that too. So that was like one of the most transformative times I would say in my life. Like I, it, it broke me down so far. Like my ego, I had like no ego at that point. I was like living in my pajamas. I had, you know, not worn makeup, put myself together in months. And I also, the thing I thought I was good at, I was like not doing well at it. And I was putting in all the work too. So like something wasn't translating. Um, but once I let it go, I, I really think that's when kind of opportunity came to me because it was like, you're not going to get accepted if you are holding on to all this stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I I got in. I, I got into one school. <laughs> I got one interview. Period. One school. And that's hey, all you that's need. That's all you, mean, need. all you need. All you need.
0: I think too, like what you were saying, it's like your self-talk or the things that you Mm -hmm. say like out into the world, like it's kind of like how you manifest things too. And so Mm -hmm. I resonated with what you said about like, you just keep saying like, oh, like I'm not smart enough to do this Mm -hmm. or like, oh, like I'm not going to be able to do it. It's like you start believing it and you start Mm -hmm. like hindering yourself from succeeding as as, you know, as much as you can succeed, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm I'm so glad you like pulled yourself out Mm -hmm. of that because hell yeah. I mean, you can do anything you put your mind to. God, it took
2: everything, took everything (laughs) in me, but I did come out of it. And I think that relates a lot to our body image topic. It's it's really that self-talk in you. And I think, I mean, not to like take over the podcast ask you guys, take it over, take it over. But I feel like that's a good segue into that body image conversation that's so important right now. I mean, Riley, maybe you can share a couple of your thoughts. I literally sound (laughs) like I'm the host.
1: (laughs) No, no, we love it. We're like, yes! (laughs) My journey... I would say I I have struggled with – I still struggle with body. Like, I think everyone does. Everyone does. Um, it's it's, it's a yeah, it never-ending it journey. Yeah, it depends on the day, truthfully. But my journey, I would say, like, I just – I think back as far as, like, I can even remember in my mind. And I've always, like – I don't know. It's, like, so sad. I've always had, like, negative feelings about my body and the way I looked. And I think that started mostly, I would say, when I hit puberty – Mm -hmm. And I was, like, 10, I think was when I started my period. But, like, even before – oh, my God. Even before that. Like, in – sorry. We're going back to um, (laughs) to fourth grade. And I remember, like, when my mom came to me and was, like, hey, like, you need to start wearing these. And it was a training bra. And I was so embarrassed. Like, I was truthfully so embarrassed because I was the only one of my friends that had boobs. Like, and I was, like, oh, my God. God, like I cried. I hid it. Like I did not want to wear this thing because yeah. I was so embarrassed to have boobs when all of my friends and my yeah. little sister is like flat chested. And so I was like, I I think I would say that's probably the point where the body insecurities start. I'm sure mm-hmm. before that, but that's the one I can pinpoint. And so I was like – I was so embarrassed because I was like developing at such like a quicker rate than my friends Mm -hmm. and then especially in fifth grade then like and I started my period and and then I started getting hips and I started – I was just developing so much earlier than all these people around me and it just – and it made me feel awful about Mm -hmm. myself and I would like look at my friends who are literally children I was a child too and like they were just they looked like children and like Mm -hmm. because I like and because I started getting a little curvier and started filling out I felt like I was so fat like Mm -hmm. and like as like as a child like and I'm like that's just so sad to like to think about yeah that I'm like I was just so I was literally like 10 years old and I should have been so concerned like I should have been concerned on so many, like, other things. And I was, like, worried about how I looked. And I just, like, I always, guys, I remember when the term – Okay, remember the movie The Duff? Yes. And how it, like, stood for, like, dumb, dumb, ugly, fat friend? Okay, that came out, like, when we were in high school. But I remember when that term came out. And I was, like, yep, that's, like, that's what I was. And that's what I always felt like. I know. Isn't that so sad? And even, like, air, like, even in, like, our friend group. Like, that's just, like, how I always, like – Dude, yeah, that's just, like, okay, first of all, if
2: anything, you'd be labeled the ginger. That's all you were. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. It, it's honestly sad that, like, because you know kids are starting, and I feel like even now, like, younger and younger, they're starting to, oh like, realize things about the, themselves and their bodies, and it's they should just be, like, being kids. For me, yeah. I I was, like, pretty, like, scrawny- not like when I was little. Oh, I went through, I loved candy, you guys. And I would go through phases. (laughs) No, I literally like from like two to like 10. It's like every year between my growth spurt, I would like pack the candy on and I like was a chunker. And then the next year I'd like grow and then I'd be all gangly again. But anyway, that's like a side note. (laughs) You pack it back on. (laughs) So when that kind of evened out, and I was just kind of like scraggly again, I was like the tallest one in my friend group. And in dance, I danced with a bunch of very small people, like very petite. And I was like, like three heads taller than my friends, right? And in Mm -hmm. dance, you're kind of, especially competitive dance, the smaller kind of you are, I don't know why in our community, that was like idolized in a, in a weird way. Yeah, so I didn't even think about bodies. I didn't even know what that was. But what I would notice is, so I remember I had these two tiny, tiny friends and we got, and they probably don't even like realize this happened or like, no, but they, we all got in the car to like go somewhere after dance. And I sat in the middle of them, like in the middle seat. And one of my friends at the time made a comment about how maybe I shouldn't sit in the middle because my thighs were were spreading out and they were way bigger than theirs. And I was like – I remember I didn't really – it didn't hit me that hard because I didn't fully realize, like, what it was. But it was – I was being fed these very, like, implicit – like, you're bigger than everyone else. And then I look back and I look at photos and I'm like – I'm like this tiny – I'm tall, but I'm like a tiny dance. Tiny, yeah. like, I was being fed – this like, I would never be paired with boys because I was just too big. Too heavy for them because they were like, you know, girls mature <laughs> faster than guys, yep. like small. And so all of my tiny friends got all of the solos and they got the the pairing off the boys and all the fun stuff. And all of us like tall girls kind of got like put in the back because we're tall. And like, so I'm being fed my whole childhood how good it is to be small. And I remember crying being like, I don't want to be tall anymore. I don't want. I don't want this. Like my friends, mm-hmm. even at school, were tiny, and they thought like the the short people were like cool. And like, so that's a whole different body issue. Like, it's like, what is this like white? short person hierarchy going on? <laughs> I don't know, but it like, was genuinely
0: so odd. Like in I mean, in I dance, it kind of makes sense, but like, or not makes sense, but like, I like, yes, like I remember that being such a like big thing in the dance yes. communities, like small and short and like tiny yeah. and itty bitty. Yes. but
2: and no. And my, my costumes were like the double the size of damn. my friends. I wasn't even like big, but I thought I was like, not mm-hmm. even in a bad way. Like I just had this view of myself that I was just like, you know, I had like big thighs because they were big compared to like these tiny petite girls I was dancing with. Like no one in dance tried to make it a point to be like, everyone is beautiful here. No one's better than someone else. Like it was all everyone would constantly be giving the praise to these tiny people, which is that's a lot and that I mean, Ryan, that's probably how it was for you. It wasn't like people explicitly told you anything. It was these
1: tiny cues that like you subliminally soak yes. into your psyche. Yes. Oh my God, yes. That's like what I was basically long story short, with like my body image journey that's still going. Mm-hmm. Um I just like as I don't know, I've I've learned to, especially I would say. Since the pandemic, I've, like, really learned to, like, love and appreciate my body. And, like, every – like, I, like, look – I just, like, look at my life and everything I've been through and I'm, like, my body is, like, the one thing that has always been here and it's, like, taken me through these terrible breakups, these, like, terrible depressions I've gone through. Like, I'm moving to a new city. Like, Mm -hmm. all these transitions and I'm, like, my body is still here and I'm healthy and, like, Mm -hmm. I just – I can't – I, like – I'm like, I can't like hate myself anymore. Like I can't hate the way I look like this is who I am. And like, there's, I mean, yeah, there, I could change it, but like, I don't want to. And I am like comfortable yes. with who I am now, yeah. but it was the small cues, is just like, I would like sleep over at someone's house and I'm like and even oh my god even now I get a little nervous because of like this past trauma but like I'd like sleep over somewhere and I'd be like oh like it would be like a random sleepover so I like didn't have clothes with. I feel there. like I, I know exactly what you're gonna say because this happened to me too yeah and I'd be like time. and I'd be like hey can I borrow like a pair of shorts or something and then people would be like I actually I don't think you'll fit and I'm like
2: literally yeah, I, I sleep do. in my jeans
1: <laughs> like damn <laughs> no you're happy I'm to like let, let me try you. like No, I I actually cannot.
2: I knew where you were going to go that whole time. Every single time I'd go to someone's house too. Oh, can I borrow this? And, you know, I actually feel bad because I had one friend who was kind of not bigger than me, but we were were kind of the same height and she was like a little bit bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I, for my whole life, had that same situation where I'd go to like my tiny friend's houses and I'd be like, can I borrow something? And I'd try to put on their clothes and they would not fit. And I'd like stress out about it. But she it was opposite for me and my other friend because she was a little bit bigger than me. So I remember it's those subtle cues. I was kind of taught then in her presence to feel better because I was tinier than her, you know? So I was passing on that same like toxic little air because I didn't know any better. That's they like my tiny friend subliminally made me kind of feel like, like shit. Like I was like the big friend and then I kind of passed that on to my little bit bigger friend who wasn't even like bigger, yeah. but, like clothes wise, like her clothes were loose on me. So I remember I'd put them on and be like, kind of feel good, which is like Ooh, so sad. Yeah. You should just try on like pants or a shirt and like not think anything about it. Like, oh, it's too big or too small. Like whatever. Like I remember feeling kind of good about it that her pants were like bigger than mine because I would never had that before, which is like kind oh, of sad, yeah. but like
1: that's, that's kind of how it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I I, also like the like subliminal comments, but also like the doctor literally being, I'm like a child and he's like, I think we need to put her on a diet. Oh, what? God. And yeah. like, I'm like, I did not need to be on a diet at 10 years old. No. And like, so just even like the cues like that. So it's just, it's been a journey, a roller coaster perhaps. Um, But yeah, I'm at a point one, now one where say- I'm like, what'd you say? One could say. One could say. Um, I'm at a point now though, with my body that I'm like, yeah, I, I really, I'm like, yeah, that I look in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, I could change that. I could change that. But I'm just like grateful for like what I have. And like, mm-hmm. it could, I could be in like a terrible, I don't know. My situation could be so much worse. Like I'm just going to be appreciative of my mm-hmm. body and like what's here. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Isa. Yeah. yeah. Take the mic girl. Your turn. Um, yeah.
0: I really resonate with what you guys have been saying. I feel like it's such a like common experience for, you know, like just being like a girl growing up in our society is like really difficult. (laughs) It's difficult to be a kid in general, but I mean, for women, I think it's so much harder. Um, I weirdly enough, I think for me, it was also like when I was pretty young, um, like nine, like fourth grade, something like that, where it was like the first time somebody ever pointed out that I like had stretch marks or like, was like, Like I had like, what was it called? Like cottage cheese thighs.
1: (laughs) That's a trigger for me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I told that so much. Same.
0: And it's for me, I think the, the initial thing that started my, like the war within myself with my body was like boys from the age of nine years old, boys would point out every single thing about my legs my stomach, my chest, my arms, everything. And then it it became like what other people and not other people, what men like saw my body as. And that's how I would like rank it as like if I like was good or not, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so like you're right. There's this like idea that like to be small is like correct, Better. right? It's, yeah. It's better to be skinny is, like, the only way to, like, be a, a pretty person or, like, a mm-hmm. hot girl or, like, things mm-hmm. like that. And it is insane because I think you said this, Eric, but it was, like, looking back at pictures that made me realize, like, how not okay, <laughs> like, I was. Because you're, you're children. Like, you are literally not developed fully. And I spent my – 18 years of my life thinking I was the fat friend, like mm-hmm. the big friend. And it's like, you look back at pictures and I'm like, I look exactly the same as everybody else. Yeah. Like,
1: what do you mean? I know.
0: And it wasn't. And, but it's like, but I felt that way because I was made to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always by like the girls that were around me, but the guys, they were like, that's, Oh, she's the so last.
2: interesting. Because yeah. I like have my experience, like I, I was like so aloof and maybe just like kind of oblivious. Guys like did not even come onto my radar. Like I didn't even <laughs> give a shit what any guy thought. I was like, you're not a girl. You don't, you don't get it. But it was the girls for me that did it. Yeah. So it's interesting that for you, it's like the whole different lens and it was like men or boys. I mean boys, boys. Was, it turns into men later. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. High school, it was just constantly like it, I mean, it is that
0: comparison aspect, right? It's like how you're compared next to your friends. Like who's the prettiest? Who's the smallest? Like, and it's like other Mm -hmm. girls that do that. And then for me, it was like boys, like boys would be like, Oh, I would like never hook up with Issa like fat friend. Mm And it's like, Okay, are and are
1: that, Yeah, I mean are. that that like that fucked was, with I'm my scared. brain. I'm scared what's happening right now in the world. Like, I have no idea what it's like for body image, but I can only imagine it's worse. Oh my god! Yeah. Than well, what we dealt with growing up because social media. Expe- I know yeah, we were like really at good. an age where we were just like coming into it, but mm-hmm. it's like in full. Like it is, like, that is, is. is so full fledged. Like that is what your is. That's, like, their whole social circle is, like... I know, and so I'm scared. I'm genuinely scared, like, like to even think about or even, like, what our kids will deal with. Hopefully it'll be better, though, because they come... Sorry, that was so random. I'm, like, no, the future! The future! What are they... What's going on? No, but I... I, <laughs> I... Hopefully it'll be a little better for, like, our kids and their kids because, like, we dealt with it, too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the toxic like mindset of like small is what's right is like slowly like and like and not even to be like what is it called size sizes i don't don't even know no like small is fine like I, i think we're coming into like a more of a mindset like as a society that like everyone is good. Like everyone's mm-hmm. going to look different and that's okay. Yeah. And so I'm hoping, I just hope for the future, like when we well, teach I our think, kids. Stuff, I think it'll be- we can break. It's all about breaking
2: cycles. You just have to be yes. like, self-aware that yeah. that's something you want to do and then do it. And I, I think a, a little shift, because I think this is important. Um, Kind of the, this body image talk in relation to Miss Michigan, Miss USA, because that's the yes. thing I think a lot of people wonder um, I didn't really even fully know what I was getting into with Miss Michigan, the whole Miss USA thing. Um, I remember I just wanted to compete because my mom won Miss Michigan teen back in the day. So in high school and Riley, I mean, you were around when I was training in high school. Oh, yes. I-, I remember the training. let's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to say in high just school, wait. I didn't, I was already stuck in high school in this, like that's kind of when I started developing. Like I didn't start developing till high school. So all that came later. So I kind of, that's where like my eating disorder started was when, because I had never gained weight, you know, in my childhood. I mean, I did when I was young, young and I was eating all yeah. that candy, but, yeah, but like, gradually, like my yeah, like but, preteen time, like middle school, elementary, I was just kind of like, didn't gain weight like that until high school. And I realized like, I can't if I'm not going to be like dancing full time, I'm going to have to like, like watch what I eat. And my freshman year, that kind of spiraled. Like I was on my fitness pal, whatever. So toxic. Uh, like, triggering. I was I literally. Really have it in my phone. I, <laughs> I, I don't I use it. I set that. myself, you guys. I would allow myself to eat a thousand calories a day. And this is when I was like still developing. Like, guys, like, Ariel would
1: eat like an apple for lunch. Like we'd be, we'd I sit, sit at lunch me. and she's like. Yeah, I like I witnessed this live. Our friend group was so worried. We were like, what do we do? But we were like, but you were you seemed like so you're like, no, no, like, this is what I need. I'm training. I'm training. And we're like, okay, girl. Okay, but that Wait. was that was the issue. I was never like
2: tackling training from the right space. Because it first, it started with me like literally, okay, capped myself at a 1,000 calories a day, but I would never actually get there. I'd eat about 750 calories a day because I was too scared to get up to a 100. And then even at that, I was working out so much that honestly, I probably netted like 200 calories a day for like that year that I was doing it. And there's this photo of me that I look back at. I'm like, first of all, you're already kind of skinny because... You're just not that developed. But on top of that, it's like this other element of like, you're not even like nourishing yourself Yourself. at all. So, but then after that, that led into, so that like those anorexia tendencies, like I, you know, I was never hospitalized, nothing like that. It turned into then binge eating. So then I was caught Mm -hmm. in the cycle of that yo-yo cycle of, and I so fucked up because I have planners from high school that... You can open to any day. And I was tracking if I had a good day or a bad day. So there's red X's, green circles. No, no, no. Red I X's, remember, green check.
1: I remember your planners in high school because we would sit next to each other in classes. And I was, well, one, I was always fascinated by your planners because area has like the best freaking handwriting I've ever seen. And they were so, be- it was just so beautiful. But I remember seeing like those, but I never asked. Yeah. I'm just like, that just took, oh my God. That took me back for, to like- in high years. school, like-
2: They probably like, no one even like knew this was going on. Like, so I, yeah, the red X's green check marks, or I had like orange yellow circles if it was like an iffy day. So that was, so my anorexic time when I got super, super, super thin. And then right after that is when I was kind of binging and then restricting, but I could never quite get down to where I was when I was fully restricting all the time. So that's why the cycle like kept going. So I would try to restrict. So then in my planner, I'd be like, okay, we're going to be good this week. Good. I always said good. Like we're going to have green check marks on each of these days. And then I would, I I would binge and then that would be an X day. So the weekend usually had like an X or two and then start right back on Monday. It was always start on Monday, green check marks where I would eat a thousand calories a day but that obviously was not sustainable. So I'd always go back to binging. And then during sometime my, my, my binging phase would last longer. And I remember my, my, my skirt at school, because we had uniforms would get tighter. Like I literally would be like gaining weight. So I, I can ch- actually track these cycles through photos. Cause we took so many freaking photos in high school. I can tell when I was super skinny, when I was in like a restriction phase, my, my face is like a lot thinner. And then when I go through like a binge phase, I, my face is literally like swollen. Like I can tell, and I know I'll, I can. I can probably give you a whole timeline. Looking at my planner, like everything is in there, and I kept doing this through college. So it almost kept my body in this space where it couldn't just find its natural weight. I couldn't just even out and like find my natural weight because I never gave my body the this, this space to do that. So just like me, Riley, it wasn't until the pandemic, that everything changed. I remember I went through going into the pandemic. I went in really skinny because I was going through another restriction phase. And then, you know, a month in started binging and then I gained all the weight and then some back. And I was like, okay, like I can't do, I literally can't do this anymore. So it was, that was like the pivotal moment for me. It was like going into that summer of COVID. So that was 2020 And I decided, I was like, you're not going to weigh yourself. You're not even going to look at your body. You're not going to comment on it. You're not going to say anything. You're going to, we're going to intuitively eat. You're going to eat when you're hungry. If you have a craving for chocolate, you're going to eat it and then stop and be done. So it was really this like toggling period for me of like, let yourself eat every day. Like that's, that's where the bad mindset is. That's when you start binging because you tell yourself you're not allowed to have it. So then you secretly go binge it and then you're like, okay, I won't have any tomorrow or for the rest of my life. I'll just binge it all right now. But then you end up doing that the next week anyway. So it's like, you have to allow yourself to eat things you're craving. Like allow that. Be like, don't say, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Cause it's the weekend or I'll just do. No, if you're, if you're craving that, eat it in moderation, be done. That's like how I got over binging and restricting. I, I just had to let myself eat how I wanted to like without restricting anything, but also not like going hard. Like just if you have the craving, do it. So I did that for about, oh gosh, a full year. And my body just started losing weight, like without trying, because I like released expectation of me trying to look like Candace Swinopoul. I, li- I had to like, let that go out of my head. because was First of all, I was never going to get there in the space I was in. And I don't want to ever get there. Let's just put it there too. So I let all that go. I I just gradually started losing the weight without even trying because I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't care. I was just being healthy and and eating in moderation. And then that's kind of where it goes into me taking the MCAT, um, which we talked about. And right after I took the MCAT is when I decided to do Miss Michigan the first time. So I used to do Miss Michigan in high school and that's when I miss michigan teen and that's when i would train really bad i would just like not eat like i that's what i would do to like fit into the dress and do all the things and then right after the competition i would like stuff my face like horrible way to go about training like it's not a lifestyle at that point my lifestyle was was yo-yo dieting um and that's literally in high school and that's like kind of like sad but i mean in high school you do feel like you're older than you are yeah but oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: That's a great way to put it. Like you're ugh, yeah. Sorry, yeah.
2: So I, no. <laughs> I know, I know. This is like so many like long stories of my no. life. I feel like like so hard to like they're long to explain. But um anyway, so I did miss Michigan, the like the older category for the first time ever, right after I took the MCAT, more as just like uh I like I didn't train at all. I was like I'm just going to do this for fun. Like I used to have so much fun doing this in high school. I'm going to have fun and just do it again. Like I've been locked in my house for for like 4 months studying for the MCAT. So after that, I was like I just need something that's going to be fun and like I can get myself together and get my life together and feel good. So I did Miss Michigan now just literally just for fun. I placed top 15 somehow my my every <laughs> my walk my interview everything was horrible <laughs> like, I didn't train I was like not seasoned to do that but anyway
1: it was fun I had a good yeah, time yeah, I was, was never this. was this like was 2021, 2021 yeah
2: 2021 summer
1: okay okay yeah
2: so I was never gonna do it again and then it, especially because if I was gonna go to med school the pageant would have overlapped with med school because it was in the summer and that's when you start med school so I was like okay I had fun. It was my last time. I met a lot of awesome people who I'm still friends with now. Like, great. However, I got an email, like probably after I got my first interview. Maybe it was like December or January. I got an email that said that they're moving Miss Michigan up to May. And in that case, I could like technically do it. And I was like, hmm, you know what? Like, fuck it. (laughs) Let's just do it. Let's do it again. So, I was like, you're gonna ask, I was like, first of all, I'm in a good space. I haven't yo-yo dieted at this point in two years, okay? It's like the beginning of twenty twenty two yeah i've I've not yo-yo diet at all in two years. I've kind of just like like lost weight and I've found like where my body wants to be. And it's like a very healthy weight for me. And I really felt like I left that in the past. So I was like, that's the only way I ever want to win Miss Michigan. I'm like, I'm so thankful that I didn't win in high school or that I didn't win before because that would have been so toxic. Like God knew what he was doing. Like all those times I was depressed in high school after not winning. I always came so close. He was looking out for me because I was, I how can you be a leader for someone else if you're still at war within yourself? Like you can't, that beautiful. You can't. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like I am moved right now. Yeah. No, I oh, love it's that. True. Like you can't, it's like you have to put
2: your oxygen mask on before you help someone else. You can't, You you can't even love other people if you don't love yourself. So all of those cliche things, but it's so true. And at this point in my kind of story, I felt like I was at a point where I had a lot of things that I really wanted to share with people and that People in this position who maybe want to be Miss Michigan but are dealing with stuff that I'm dealing with, like I could actually help them and and be that person who's a little bit different because pageant world is a whole different world. It is, and I'm not Tell really about in, it. <laughs> I'm not really in pageant world, but in a nutshell, it, it parts of it are toxic and parts of it are amazing. Um, there, there's this side of pageant land, especially in the older category, not really teen. So just our miss category that it's like, all right, ladies, don't leave the gym, get your Botox, like, like, let's go get your veneers. And while that might be like a personal choice for you, that should not be someone, something that we're pushing on to young women. Like you are only going to win this pageant if you get Botox not true and like so toxic. So that's like a side of pageant land that like is, is just sad to me. The fact that people think that that's how it should be. Like if you're doing something for yourself, great. But I don't want to hear like pageant influencers telling me to stay in the gym and telling me to get Botox. Like I don't want to. So like they make it seem like you have to do that stuff to win, which to everyone out there, you don't have to do that. Like you, you don't. Um, but anyway, so, <laughs> I know. so I actually trained for Miss Michigan for four or five months. Like I actually, for once in my life, like I didn't even change my diet. I, I was, didn't cut anything out. I was like, you're going to win this being yourself or you're not going to win at all. So in those four months, I really became Miss Michigan before I even was her. I was like, if I don't win, I wasn't meant to win. I'm going to still do all the stuff I was going to do if I was going to win. Like, no, everything about how I was living my life, I was already living as Miss Michigan, which is like the Love quintessential ma- manifesting. Like you have to live like you are that person. And then once that opportunity comes to you, it doesn't even feel like a shock. You're like, well, of course, uh-huh. like, I, I, I've already <laughs> been her. So, right. and that's the first time I've ever really experienced that. Like, I remember I the year before competing was so nervous. Like I wasn't waiting for that top 15 to be called. I couldn't even breathe. Like I was shaking. I couldn't breathe. Like, no, the year I won, I, there was not one. I was so at peace. I wasn't even breathing hard. My heart wasn't even beating. I was the last one to be called for top six. So you're waiting. There's one name left. I wasn't even nervous. I was like, first of all, if I don't, if I don't make it into top six, I'm not even going to be sad. I have so much cool stuff happening. That's going to, Happened regardless of me being Miss Michigan or not. So then when they called my name, again, I wasn't, I I wasn't nervous. And then my onstage question, I went up there. I've never felt that calm. It was almost like an eerie piece. Like I was like, yeah. uh, so calm. And then when they're calling the winner, I just, in my heart, I already knew I, I already knew I was her. So I, I wasn't like, like, obviously it was emotional winning, but it wasn't something that I was like, Shocked beyond belief about because I had done all the work. I had so many things that I wanted to do as Miss Michigan that it kind of just like was the culmination of everything I'd been working for. Um, huh. but then you win and you're inducted into pageant lands and all the pageant politics and the drama <laughs> and you kind of start to lose sight of why you even won in the first place, right? Um, so that was a lot to deal with, especially Miss USA, like once you go to a national level with a pageant or really anything, it's a whole different beast. It's like a whole different ball game. Um, And I wasn't sure that the whole Miss USA brand at that point was something that resonated with who I was. Um, So but you still have to go compete. That is, that's what you do. And it, it was always a dream of mine to compete at Miss USA, but there's this part of me that like, there was this dissonance. I was like, I want to compete. But something inside of me is like, like telling me no, like almost like you don't want to be like the brand image in that way kind of thing. Up until that point, it just, it felt kind of artificial. Miss USA. Miss all the like state titles. They're so deep into their communities. It's like, they're really cool. They empower a lot of girls. But once you get to that higher title, which, you know, they do a lot of cool things with, it almost started becoming, especially in this new age, um, it started becoming very much like we're gonna make you into an influencer. And I never wanted that. I never yeah. wanted to be an influencer. That's not why I won. I more wanted to do philanthropic things. I, I didn't want to just post like bikini photos on <laughs> right. Which yeah, got to. I did anyway. Like because you kind of get sucked into that world and everyone's doing it. So then you kind of do it too. But that's now never really what I wanted, but I will say, cause I never I will never post something that I didn't want to post. Um, mm-hmm. these girls are your ultimate hype beasts. Like each one of these girls who I competed with, it's like a whole like <laughs> shifting, like I would have conflicting thoughts and then I would hang out with some of the girls and it's like, they make you want to post that bikini pic. Like, they're all behind the camera. Like, hey, you're doing awesome. Like, they're like hyping up. So, you're like, oh crap, maybe I can be that girl who posted a bikini photo. Yes. <laughs> so the version of myself was like, kind of like judgy about it. Like, if people posted bikini shots, I'd be like, oh my God, who do they think they are? And then, like, yeah. oh, I'm that girl posting the bikini shots. <laughs> but it's like, it, it transforms in your head, though, because you're seeing all these like really empowered women. Just yeah. being who they are. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll try on that hat. So that's what I found being Miss Michigan. I got to try on all these different hats that I never even considered trying on. Like I got to try on like, you know, being a part of this sisterhood is like this sorority kind of deal. Yeah. I was a self-proclaimed never put me in a sorority don't associate <laughs> sorority. I was forced to put on that sorority hat in that moment. I was forced to put on that Instagram baddie hat where people are posting these like more sexy shots. Like that was never really something I wanted to do, but it was, it's like, it's a fun new identity kind of thing. So this title has pushed me out of my comfort zone in so (laughs) many ways, like just thought wise, like trying to navigate through this whole new position and then your, your body image. You know, that's why we started this conversation in the, in the first place. It, it really made me accept my body. And I I think it's tough because some girls who haven't gotten to the place that, you know, I got to where I was totally comfortable with how I was presenting my body. Like I don't have a thigh gap. I don't have, I'm not, you know, 2% body fat. Like I, I didn't even cut for Miss USA. I was like, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do Taekwondo, but I'm not going to, do anything that's not sustainable. People always say, I bought all these clothes for Miss USA and none of them fit me after. I was like, that's not gonna be me. I'm going to be yeah, healthy yeah. and beautiful and compete just like I am, and I'm gonna still fit into my Miss USA clothes for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna do that. Um, so that's for amazing. Me, yeah. So for me, it was like this culmination of this is who I am, and I'm gonna prove it to you guys. But I think for a lot of women, they haven't. That would be like if I won in high school. They have not gotten to that place with their body to where winning this almost racks you with even more anxiety than you started with, right? If you're not in that good mental space, the space where you almost want to prove people wrong and be a culture changer, you're going to crumble under the expectations of what they think you should be. Like there was points when I was training for Miss USA where I was like, well, maybe I should just drop 20 pounds and give them what they want. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's this temptation to want to be like, well, maybe, or even now I look back and I'm like, maybe if I got Botox, maybe if I got some lip fillers and I, and I lost a bunch of weight and I became this ideal pageant girl, maybe I would have done better at Miss USA. Right. It makes you think that like, maybe I should have pushed a little bit harder and done those things, but it's those things. If I compromised I would have already lost. It didn't matter how high I placed in Miss USA. Right when you compromise that inner, it's not just that, that goes beyond trying on hats. That comes to a point where you're giving up a a piece of your soul to do something that someone else wants you to do that you don't want to do like in your heart, right? It's not just, oh, I'm going to try on this hat for a day, right? It's this completely different side of the story that I was not willing to do. I'm like, and I, I want to tell this even to girls competing in Miss Michigan, Miss USA, doesn't matter. Right when you compromise that deep part of yourself that you know crossed the line, you have lost. It doesn't matter if you win Miss USA, you already lost. Like yeah. you have to keep that internal part totally yourself the whole time or else none of it's worth it. And why are you even doing any of this? Right. I think it's like just the
0: way that you said it, like, it's just really inspiring because I mean, just to be quite frank, like, I don't think I'm at the place where I like have accepted myself or am anywhere near like where it sounds that you are. And so like hearing you speak about it in that way, like it does help other people. And Mm -hmm. so like, thank you for sharing all of that, because it's like, it is so important. And to have just like someone who is like so like down to earth and normal, like also be going through these like things. I don't know. It's just like super inspiring.
2: Well, I, I do want to preface too, it is a journey, right? I I've I've made so much progress <laughs> because I don't want you guys to think that I am sunshine and rainbow all the time. Right. Like oh yeah yeah. There, like, there are weeks where, like, I am not feeling great. Like, I, I look in the mirror and I'm honestly, like, not <laughs> – I'm, like, just – I'm not feeling any of it, right? Um, But it, it's really those little things you do every day to, like, not fall back as far as you were. So it's right. – because you know it, it's – this too shall pass. When you're feeling shitty, that's going to pass. When you're feeling really good, that's going to pass. You have to keep that in mind at all times. People think that when they've hit that really joyful spot, that that's where they're going to stay. And then, oh, oh, bad times, they'll just go away or vice versa. It all passes, right? So you have Mm -hmm. to keep that in perspective and just keep doing those little things to inch. So even if one week you feel really, really shit about yourself and you feel like everything is back to like square one, you have to look back. And I have to like remind myself of, of how I was in high school, like I, it's just this completely different shift. And someday, like I'm not fully comfortable in my body someday. Some days I'm really bloated or maybe like I had a month where I just didn't eat healthy and I'm like all about health. So that kind of stays in my mind. Like you have those, those little tendencies that you have when you were like in this toxic state, they never fully go away. I think that's a big myth that people think. You're always combating them. Like I still have times where I'm like, Like there's that little shadow that comes around. That's like, you could just get my fitness pal again. Like you could easily in two months, like just drop all whatever weight. Like I have that, that still comes into my, into my head, but it's, it's the, the good has to outweigh the bad, right? You have to have enough mental strength to push that out and say, you're not that person anymore. I don't care if you stay in my mind the rest of my life, but I'm never going to actually succumb and do that. Like I might look in the mirror right now and like not really be happy with some things, but nothing's permanent then eat a little bit healthy for the next month just stop eating as much dessert at dinner like like and you you really have to treat it from a health perspective not saying oh i'm going to cut out um all sh- all sugar and carbs because i like want to lose weight no it's how healthy have you been this month have you like actually just like been eating like a lot of processed food not eating your greens not drinking your water like that's where i'm operating from because if i'm really fully eating healthy like your body should be responding in the right way. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how you operate. Um, so like, if I'm going through that time where I'm not, or, you know, there's some things that our bodies just have that may just always be there. And those, those are things that we have to just come to terms with. Like we, me and my brother laugh. Cause we have like, like little like love handles that are just there all the time. And my brother's <laughs> like, he's like, I could work out for the rest of my life, get down to 1% body fat, all this thing, <laughs> I still have them. They won't go away. So yeah. it's like coming to terms with those things too are the shape of your body, right? Even just the shape of our body, like we could work out forever and the shape will, will kind of stay the same. So it's a yeah. lot of those things too that you have to be like, I am eating healthy right now. I'm being healthy. And this is what my body looks like when I'm eating healthy.
1: Yeah, but like genetically, this it. is what <laughs> I have. That's, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> not going anywhere. Like,
2: it's not like, oh, I have to lose like, 50 pounds like no are you eating healthy are you working out are you like meditating doing something for your mind if you're doing those three things your body looks how it's supposed to look like that's what i truly believe like your body will go to a spot where it wants to go when you are you know 80 80 20 or 70 30 eating healthy when you're working out even a little bit because working out is medicine if you're training your mind doing even a tiny like 10 minutes of meditation morning and night five, three, whatever, your body will go where it wants to be. And it will stay right there. And then once you're there, you're good. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. Like you're, you will fluctuate, but if you're keep, if you know, you're doing everything healthy and you're being that healthy version in moderation, right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be so healthy to where you, you f- like feel guilty about eating dessert, like at a special occasion. Right.
1: Yeah. So it, it's just like that whole
2: balance. And then looking at yourself in the mirror and having the guts really challenging yourself to be like what do i think is looks really beautiful today like those days when you feel the worst that's the days where you have to be like Hey, okay, here's your challenge today you have to find five things you really love about yourself in the mirror right now and anything else that's how it is
1: what it is you're healthy and that's all you need to be Oh my god! Well, god. this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being our first guest. I'm literally I'm so Thank excited. Guys. I can't wait.
2: For to- I'm so excited to be here. And if you ever need like a guest host, <laughs> yep. I will Period. step in. I will fly to New York City and and plop in your apartment. Oh my god! I'll bring both my ring lights too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You guys, You'll you have a setup. oh my yeah, god, so great. Come I on. wish everyone could have seen the setup process and area literally being mm-hmm. like, We'll move the lamp over there, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, should I take off the shade? Yes, like it was <laughs> like, <laughs> camera, are you sure you don't
2: have a ring light? Go find one, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, we gotta, she got us,
1: yeah, hooked up. But thank you so, so much, Aria, Where can the people find you? What are your socials? Yes, so. We'll start off with the, the
2: gram. She's got a lot. I am, I am a dedicated gram user. I don't use any other social media, barely. Um, Air Hutchinson or Miss MI USA. Those are the handles. I don't do Twitter. I think Twitter is evil. That's fine. I don't too do many opinions. Too Many Too much going on there. No pictures. I want to see pictures. I'm like a grandma. If you don't have a picture in your Facebook post, I don't want to see it. Okay. <laughs> Um but that that's basically it. We don't really do Facebook
1: either. It's you just the gram. No, that's fine. The, the gram, gram. <laughs> that is <laughs>
0: That's fine. Next week's episode, we are talking things New York and we're
1: giving you our best NYC recommendations. So stay tuned if you're interested. <laughs> If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can go ahead and follow us at notfromhere.podcast. That's N-O-T-F-R-O-M-H-E-R-E dot P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And we have an Instagram, we have TikTok, and we have a Facebook page. And just, again, thank you so, so much always to Eli Garman, our producer, manager, editor, bestie, whatever you want to call him. Um, And then thank you to you, Aria, for joining us. This, this is so, 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 so <laughs>